0: back to hair metal memories i'm your host brian and i'm aaron all right uh we're gonna start off today we actually uh we got our mailbag was full this week so which is
1: kind of crazy which is very cool thank you people we've never met yeah yeah awesome well some of them some of them we've met, but to those of you we haven't met, especially, yeah.
0: thank you. Yeah. So a shout out to Cody McCarthy, who is from Hollywood, and uh, he sent in an email requesting some albums, and we're going to get to them. We have those on the list. Absolutely. So, thank so. you
1: very much for your request. That's really cool. We're That's more than cool. more we, than open to listening to requests from people because we have our
0: little yeah.
1: dream list that we're going through. But hey, if you got something you want to hear us talk about,
0: yeah. And if we haven't, if we happen to not have heard some of these albums, we're happy to take a listen to them and all that stuff. So keep the requests coming.
1: And If they're not too hard to find, I'll even buy a vinyl copy just so we can yeah, there you go <laughs> you know,
0: keep up our little photo habits, <laughs> and we got an email from our friend Nate Logston, which is very cool. thanks, He's, Nate he says, hey guys, love the pod. I enjoyed the slippery when wet episode. I love he- learning about the connections between musicians and producers. I've never delved much into hair metal, but I've always loved over the top power ballads like to be with you are these <laughs> you know, the, the uh, I'm, that's the uh mr Big Mr Big track yeah. Are these tracks frowned on by hardcore hair metal fans? Are they a guilty pleasure, or do you like them as an outsider? That's my main exposure to the genre, and I'm totally fine with that.
1: Uh, honestly, some of them I like fine.
0: Um, yeah. Some of them I don't. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. There's a there's kind of a smell factor for me where yep. uh, if uh, you know if it's a genuinely good song, uh, I really like uh, "To Be With You." I think that's a good song. It's oh, I think a, it's fine. You know, it's a you know. If it has a little bit of cheese in it, that's I'm fine with that. Not gonna lie, I like all the Guns N' Roses ballads. Yeah, same here. Yeah, November Rain is absolutely a a great, great tune. But then if it's if it kind of smells like they're just cashing in and trying to make money and just write you know and write a song and and if it seems not genuine, that's uh that's some of them seem like
1: individually packaged craft American singles, right? (laughs) (laughs) Looking at you, Bon Jovi.
0: That was the snorting of our friend Shauna, who's going to be our special guest later, but she's, she, she wanted to hang out with us while we're doing this segment, so uh, say hi, Shauna. Hello. Okay. Uh, our next one is from Mark Bailey, who's also a musician here in Iowa, and he says, Hey, fellas, um, really digging the podcast. As a big Aussie fan, it's pretty amazing to hear the epidemic-like connections he had with the hair metal scene. That's um, no lie. That's no lie. He's been mentioned in every episode so far, and uh, don't see that changing anytime soon. He's kind of the godfather of it all. Um, he has a question for us. What's your favorite and least favorite album cover from the Hair Metal releases? Oh
1: man! Um, well, at least as far as my favorite, honestly, I'm pretty sure my favorite's Motley Crue. Shout at the Devil because yeah. it's so simple and perfect. Yeah, I mean, can't go wrong it, with the it, Devil. You <laughs> kind of have to be mad that they got there first. <laughs> yeah. It's right. It's just so basic and does so much. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I think my favorite would be um, Pyromania. By Def Leppard. Ooh, good choice. Just because, like, uh, I like the architecture sort of looking, you know, and like the blow up thing. It's just there's just a design element to it that I really like a lot in the in the image to it. Okay, right on. What about least favorite?
1: Well, my least favorite, honestly, it's the uh, 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 I think it's Love Is For Suckers, the Twisted Sister album.
0: Oh yeah, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> Everything
1: about it looks like okay. We don't intend to promote this. We just need <laughs> yeah. to put something out. You know that's no reflection of the music, music on it or whatever. I mean, I've, I, I have, I'm down with twisted sister, but that album cover just sort of looked, looked like a, I don't know. Yeah. Let's just do this and just get it over with, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, put uh, like an I afterthought. Don't
2: remember the D. Snyder art in uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse? No, Pee Wee's Big Adventure.
1: Yes, oh, and because of that, that. movie, <laughs> I. Uh, little six-year-old me developed a deep abiding love for the song Burn in Hell because of that little (laughs) sequence. Yeah. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah,
0: We're going to get to that album at some point, too. Yes, we are going to talk about Stay Hungry at some point because it's an awesome album. It is an awesome album. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think my least favorite is I'm gonna go with uh, the Kane Roberts solo album just because it's, you know <laughs> he's got like this Rambo thing going on where he's you know he's a muscly dude and he's holding up this guitar with a machine gun and it looks like a machine gun and then there's like this sort of post apocalyptic scene in the background and uh, and it's just you know, I don't know it's, it's just not good. <laughs> that. Is exactly correct. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, Kane Roberts, of course, being the guitar player for Alice Cooper for a little while, and uh, he, he does look like a Rambo. He's a, he's a bodybuilder guitar player guy. Kind of makes it look like he should have been in like one of the Jason movies. Yeah. <laughs> so our album this time is uh, Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, this is, a, this is a classic album, so uh, you know, I, I kind of think uh, this album has a rich history, and uh, I don't know if we have a whole lot we can really contribute to that. So, I thought I made some notes on some things that I thought were interesting, but let's just kind of skim a little bit, sure, just, uh, sure, like, we can, uh, yeah. you know, just talk about things that seem interesting that maybe haven't quite been covered as much. Um, you know, some just some basic history, it was released in 1987, it didn't do very well. No, it
1: took like almost a year for it to go yeah. somewhere.
0: Yeah, it took a year, but the band toured and they released singles and somehow that strategy worked. It was a different time that would be I don't know if that would work today. So, but the, You
1: don't get a year to 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 you know, if if your yeah. album comes out and it's not instantly something that can be sold yep. by the I mean, you know, because this was on one of the big labels. I mean, this is is Geffen, you know. So if you can't sell right away, you're done. Right, and you get dismissed pretty quickly. (laughs) 30 years ago, you could, you know, develop the talent, have them release an album, then go tour it, and maybe the fifth single is the one that
0: takes off or whatever. But it ended up becoming the best-selling debut album of all time and the 11th best-selling album of all time in the U.S.,
1: and uh, my favorite fact is that it is produced by Mike Klink, who's mm-hmm. one of my very favorite. He produced, yeah. like, one of my all-time favorite albums by anyone, anywhere, uh, uh, Megadeth's Rust and Peace. Oh, yeah. Which is, uh-huh. like, oh, yeah. It's, it's probably in my top 20 records ever made.
0: Yeah, and he's done Motley Crue. He, did, uh, he worked with Triumph, which I thought was interesting.
1: He did work with Triumph. He yeah. laid it on the line for Triumph, you
0: might say. <laughs> hey! <laughs> He worked with uh, White Snake and he worked with UFO, which I thought was Frickin cool. UFO, man. I've been going through UFO phase, and so like I was, I was pretty happy to see that. And he worked with Heart and Eddie Money and stuff like that. And he did five of the GNR records, and which sold over 90 million copies. So, so his
1: name's out there a lot. So his name's out there
0: a lot, and he's done pretty well for himself. I'd he might say. just be
1: on your record shelf. Yeah. If you're listening to this, he probably already is. Yeah, and Appetite alone
0: sold 30 million copies plus and is still selling a bunch. So, yeah. Uh, the remastered box set that they did of Appetite from 2018 was nominated for a Grammy just, to, just because of, of box sets. Um, oh, like the presentation and the packaging yeah, or whatever? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> And they lost to Weird Al.
1: <laughs> oh, for that. Oh, yeah. Weird. I remember that Weird Al box because I thought long mm-hmm. and hard about purchasing the Weird Al box, too. But then it was like. Yeah. Hmm, how much of a paycheck can I give up and still like cover? Yeah, myself?
0: Weird Al's complete albums that beat out the GNR. Um, oh, because that yeah.
1: had UHF in it. Damn it! Now, see, now I'm just gonna be mad about that Weird Al. I just for recently this. seen
0: UHF. I just saw it like uh, about six months ago. We,
1: I can't believe we've never had this conversation. Yeah. Oh my god, that's one of my favorite <laughs> that's movies. It's a great movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, early wow. early Kramer. You know, yes. Michael Richards is in that. Stanley Spadowski. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: the... the the Guns N' Roses originally wanted Paul Stanley to produce their album, but uh, Paul Stanley changed Steven Adler's drum kit more than he was comfortable with, and so he was dismissed. I thought that was here. They were were, a bunch of nobodies, and they dismissed Paul Stanley from being a producer. You know
1: what? Hey, props for being like, "No, man, this ain't cool." Mm -hmm.
0: And they also considered uh, Mutt Lang, who's you know done all the big stuff. Oh yeah, uh, but the label thought it was he was too expensive.
1: The label thought correctly. Yeah. (laughs) He would have. And at the time that they would have been working on this album, he would have been just kind of working his way back into working with Def Leppard after taking time off from working with him between Pyromania and the final release of Hysteria. So, yeah, you know, and maybe we'll get to that someday, but that ended up being a really expensive endeavor. And he was part of that on top only him and Steinman. But anyway,
0: yeah, Yeah. 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 we're definitely going to get to Hysteria at some point, I think. Um, uh, another interesting fact uh, I thought was uh, Axel recorded his vocals one line at a time, which drove the band nuts.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, because like everybody else got done pretty quick. I, from what I from what I hear, it was only like a handful of days that it took Adler to get all of his drum tracking done. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, I mean, Axel has a longstanding thing as a perfectionist,
0: so that would just right. be the early one of the earlier manifestations of that. You know. Yep. <laughs> uh, the two sides of the album we were not conventionally labeled A and B, but they were labeled G and R. And uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And tracks one through six, which are on side G, all deal with drugs and hard life in the big city. That's the gun side. And on the roses side, um, they all deal with love, sex, and relationships. Which I, is
1: I, funny because I didn't really think about that until I uh... – I'd never put that together before. So. No, and I used to listen to it on cassette, too, so I should have, like, yeah. known that, because I had the cassette uh-huh. as a child, and it was an A and B side affair. You know, I didn't get into CDs until later. Yeah. And now that I think about it, you know, because I just knew it as 12 kick-ass tunes in a row. Yeah. And I just got way. excited for it. And then finally, yeah, when, when it was explained, I'm like, no, it actually does. It, it's kind of lined up like that. That's
0: kind of heavy. Uh-huh. Um, and those are all the interesting tidbits I had. Do you have anything that you want to throw out there yes
1: last august i was in lafayette indiana and my told my friend jacob about it and he got really excited and he's he sent me the links and he's like dude Axel was a childhood home is still there you should go tour it you should go check it out just just, oh, par, wow. just pass by just to see where it is yeah. and unfortunately i was on a tight enough schedule to where i really couldn't do that but i thought about it for a minute I was yeah. like, yeah axler was a childhood home's here i could see that and so is izzy stradlin's yeah but uh Oh wow, you know? yeah,
0: yeah, because they were childhood buddies. That's right.
1: Yep, and w- along with uh, well, uh, uh, one who will not be discussed on this podcast, uh, Shannon Hoon was also a childhood buddy. And also because Trump, <laughs> Blind Melon, fucking barf, dude. But anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, the ex- opinions expressed uh, from Aaron are Aaron's opinions only, and not necessarily that of Hair Metal Industries Incorporated. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we probably won't um, be
0: covering Blind men- Melon. I don't see how we can really wedge them into hair metalness. Anyway, no, not
1: so. really. So, ha ha, yeah. screw you, Blind Melon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So,
0: what's what's your appetite for destruction story? How'd you?
1: Oh, I mean, I discovered it when it came out because I was—I mean, I was pretty young. I think I was—I would I had just turned seven years old when okay. it came out. But the thing was, I was one of those people who, like very young discovered that MTV was like the coolest thing ever, and I would watch it a yeah. lot when I had any spare time. I would watch MTV. And that's what I did. Yeah. So I, I remember like I think it was '88 when one of my friends at school decided he didn't like the tape of it that he had, and, and he gave it to me, and yeah I proceeded to you know wear it to nothing, and yeah so I mean, yeah, I've known this record or at least most of it since I was like seven or eight years old, uh so okay, it's yeah. pretty worked into like yeah. Yeah. the ins and outs of me I wish I wish that It's So Easy had let off the album even though Welcome to the Jungle is like a wonderful album opener Yeah, It's So Easy is like one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs and it's just so badass and rocking that I kind of always wish that it was the first song on the record yeah, just immediate gratification factor oh yeah <laughs> and it's just so <laughs> slamming um, so yeah and I mean I've owned it on cassette three copies on vinyl uh, three copies on CD oh wow i okay. bought it a lot I love it yeah <laughs> yeah 10 out of 10 for me
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I going into it, I did not like Guns N' Roses when I first heard it. I, a bunch of people were freaking out about him and telling me you got to listen to this, you got to listen to this. And uh at first I really didn't care for Axel's voice. I was just sort of like what's going on here? Um and then uh but then when uh, Sweet Child came out, that guitar intro came on. I was just sitting there and it was, it was the t- I was at my future ex-wife's house (laughs) and her parents had mtv on in the background and all of a sudden that that guitar riff comes in and i was just immediately what is that and it pulled me in um and and from that point on i was like wait a minute this is that band i thought i didn't like and so then i went back and listened to the whole album and i was sort of like okay there's something here i get this now and then of course i fell in love with it after that and once i really like paid attention to it and stuff i was very dismissive of it when i first heard it and that was a mistake so Life lessons. <laughs> you know, a lot of
1: that stuff I didn't really understand until later. But like, it is like coming up then and deciding to start listening to music then. Like a lot of the, you know, the other hair rock stuff we talk about. Like this was so much different than all that. Even though it was mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, was, you know, marketed as the same thing, but it. Right. It really felt different. It felt you different. could tell that it wasn't. It's grittier and grimier and you, you know, know. Whereas a lot of the nastier. other ones were like, you could see like the logical evolution of the New York Dolls. You could tell these guys were into the Dolls, but they were into some like nastier shit too. You know, yeah, they I mean, weren't like, trying to be
0: pretty boys at all. No, <laughs> and it was a lot.
1: Like everything was different about it, and that's what yeah. was so cool to me. I mean, even even then, as a little kid, you could see that like, oh, there's something different about this than the Def Leppard and the Bon Jovi.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about the record itself. Absolutely. Uh, one one of the things I noticed throughout uh, going back and listening, I mean, I'm with you. This this album's in my DNA now, and I know it all by heart, but I hadn't listened to it in a little while just because, you know, I knew it by heart. Uh, but going back and listening to it for the podcast here, uh, one thing I noticed is how often Axel just kind of stops and talks through verses. Um, and he has such a, it, it, and it's cool because he has such a, Huge personality that he can do that he'll he'll like sing and he'll just like you know rail and you know and just you know has this huge awesome soaring voice and then he'll stop and just kind of like, <laughs> he'll like kind of talk to you in the middle it's of a verse. Vocal <laughs> mastery is very good. It's very you know, good. I mean, like, yeah. Um, so that stood out for me, and the other thing that stood out is. Every song on this record is good. There's yep. no, like, there's, there's no not, weak spot. No, I I was, I was I was looking at one of the you know for one song I thought for a minute like you know maybe this is my least favorite track on it and then when it kicked in I was like, "Nope, no, nope, this is a really solid song." So, yes, <laughs> I mean, you know, so
1: many of the songs that, you know, people may not be as into at this point or it's really more of an issue of just having been so exposed to it that you don't hear it like yeah, out of context anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're still great tunes. It's a little bit like Stairway to Heaven. It's a structurally wonderful, it's a great yeah. song. It's just that Right. You can't really hear it with those fresh
0: ears anymore.
1: And it, no. It, it, no it's it not going to have that same impact. Yeah. But I mean, so many of these songs, <coughs> even the ones that have been played a million times, are so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Uh, so we kick off with Welcome to the Jungle, which was the second single off of the album. Uh, and it was released twice as a single.
1: That's right, because it would have been re-released a little uh, later on when... Yeah, when it took off a yep. little bit
0: more. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And it was voted the greatest hard rock song of all time by VH1.
1: Bit. That seems fitting yeah. in the because you know I mean VH1's got some like right <laughs> rock channel stuff that they've done in the last
0: yeah. several years since now there's a billion channels and yeah and it's a great album opener I mean it's absolutely a, and they, they and whenever they tour they kind of open most of their shows with it um, I know when. Uh, at the Hilton show that I saw here in Ames. Uh, I've seen video of that show. Yeah, they uh, when they didn't come on until 2 in the morning. uh, <laughs> they, uh <laughs> so that's one that
1: when Sebastian oh, no, Bach I was at? Was yep. Sebastian yeah, Bach I went to that yep. show.
0: That was in 06. Yeah, yeah, that was when I was. That's right, because to, that, that had Sebastian <laughs> yeah. Bach
1: in helmet. Yeah,
0: yep, yep, and the Suicide Girls. Oh, yep. Hel- yeah, the Suicide yeah. Girls came out. Twice I think and then, Yeah because they're Trying to kill some time Well the
1: funny thing was It wasn't even yeah. Axel who was late It was out the rest of the band Yeah Because Axl had been in town Since the day before mm-hmm. Probably fucking Buckethead <laughs> He was not in the band At that time Yeah it wasn't He no. was gone by then no. We were at the guitar It was, it was uh, Richard Fortis Robin Fink And Bumblefoot uh, Bumblefoot
0: Playing yeah. guitar I did see yeah. him with Buckethead In 2002 And that was awesome Yeah, but, yeah and it, it went, I remember when It was You know The they, everything was like dark for a long time, and everybody's like booing and stuff, and everybody's getting really unruly because it's like, Man, it's two in the morning. What the hell's going on? And all of a sudden, you heard dun 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 <laughs> and everybody just like, you know, everybody that was grumbling and stuff suddenly cheered. Oh, yeah, the <laughs> and opinion, opinion up the quickly changed. And the opinion, you know, and then they came out and they raged, and the whole show was epic, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, second track, It's So Easy, uh, that was the first single, which surprised me. I was, yeah,
1: uh, it's, it's weird that that was released as a single, yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, just subject matter alone you wouldn't think would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a badass tune. It's, it, it is a badass tune. It's, sometimes it's my favorite song on the album, and sometimes there's a different song that's my favorite one on the album, we'll get to that later.
0: Yeah, okay. But it's just so rockin' and awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, after that, we got Night Train, um, which I love Night Train. Uh, I don't love drinking Night Train. Uh, I've never drank Night Train. Yeah, after... Here, after yeah, after getting into the after getting into the album and getting into the song and singing I was like, we got to drink night train. So I went and got some and I, I drank exactly one bottle of night train. I was like, oh man, it's like carburetor cleaner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing about that song it's really a structurally weird song when you think about it cuz it has huh. like like the bridge for a chorus at the opening of the song. Yeah. Sure. One long verse. Yeah.
0: And then chorus is all the way out. There's a couple of songs on this, or a handful of songs, where they have really bizarre structures to them. And, you know, which is they, like, There's yeah. a lot more to them than what I would have taken. These aren't normal, like, regular, they, they're, they're almost like prog rock-like in, like, some of their structures where, and, and it, you don't hear that because if they flow together so well and
1: stuff. Yeah, everything just rocks so hard you don't really yeah. spend a whole lot of time thinking about what it is you're hearing. But, yeah, like, so Night Train just has one verse in it, essentially. Yeah. It's one very long one. Yeah. And the guitar work in Night Train is really awesome. It is really awesome. Mm. And, uh, I feel like
2: I got my life motto from that song. <laughs> ready to crash and burn. I never learn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd make a great tattoo, really. <laughs>
0: and I read that that is Slash's favorite song to perform live. That he still. Well, yeah, to-
1: because he gets to like way rock the hell out on like the back yeah. half of that
0: song. Yeah, he said that he like uh he he'll hop around on stage whenever that song comes up. He'll like find himself running back and forth on the stage and hopping up and down and getting excited about that, which I thought was that was adorable. Like you know, like, Slash. Yeah. Um. Then we go out to get me, um, which is, you know, slightly a paranoid is, of a song. I read that uh, um, this kind of came from Axel was arrested more than 20 times on charges such as public intox and battery and served jail terms up to three months. And he moved to L.A. to get away from all of that. Um, and so this song kind of stems it's from nice that, that he stuff. moved to, to nice, safe, comfortable <laughs> right. uh, L.A. Yeah, to from get Indiana. away from the, from the hard times in Lafayette. <laughs> But it's a great <laughs> tune. It is a great tune, yeah. It's a
1: really badass riff that, yeah. he, that you know, you're welcomed <laughs> with in that song.
0: Uh, then we have Mr. Brownstone. One of my other favorites on this album. Is a, Love that song. Yeah. Such it, a great beat. It and, has the coolest rhythm on the album with those whack-a-whack guitars, you know. Yeah. You know, that's so cool. And that was the first single released outside of the U.S., Wow. Which is kind of weird, you know, to hear this song about heroin addiction. You know, I was like, why? <laughs> you know, again, subject matter, they really kind of like, yeah, sure, put that out. It's a good song. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Which was against the grain of almost everything at the time. Uh, Paradise City is next. It closes outside one yeah. at almost seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the only song on the album with a synth- synthesizer on it. Um, Axel plays the synth, and he also does that whistle. So, oh, he did. Yeah, so uh, he, gets, he gets some music credits on there. So, um, and the other thing I thought was cool that that main riff on it is that's chromatic, which is weird and cool. It's like you know you don't hear a lot of like rock songs with like chromatic riffs in it.
1: No, no, you don't.
0: Yeah. And I think that 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 second half of this song is some of Slash's best playing too. Oh my god, god yes! It just, he just goes off. And it's
1: just, basically like you know what is it? Almost like three minutes of be like, hey
0: man, just tear it up, right? Yeah, solo away, solo away dude. <laughs> Uh moving on to side two, we open off with My Michelle. That's
1: my other favorite on this album. This is a
0: cool song. It's the only song on the album where Slash uses an S G instead of a Les Paul. Oh, oh so right. On. For the guitar nerdery. And it's such a great intro too. That it is, is just
1: Oh, the guitars on that are yeah. so good. Yeah, and I
0: and I think like uh if you were, on the album, you know, the actual vinyl, and you flip it over and it starts with that. Uh, that's just a, such a good, welcoming intro to that side. If you're listening to the CD, it breaks up the album really nicely. All of a sudden, you have this weird intro to going into My Michelle. Um, yeah, that's a great one. That's actually yeah.
1: and it, the, I nominate, this is the one I'm nominating for the solo that we get to enjoy. Okay. Just because, I mean, it's not like the same fireworks as Paradise City, but it's just yeah. one of those ones that's just Slash has such Brilliantly constructed solos. He really he understands what it means to like yeah. put your peaks and your valleys and all just the right spots. Yeah. And he
0: knows when to go off. And always when has when these really
1: cool back. tricks about. Oh, I turned my tone knob all the way off for the solo, and yeah. all these things that he'll just you kind of see him do. Like when you watch him play, he'll just kind of flick that knob really quick. And... Yeah, <laughs> uh.
0: yeah, cool. Let's check out that song. All right. All right. into Think About You. Uh, we got Cowbell in the song. And <laughs> the songs with Cowbell have an amazingly high batting average of being awesome. They do. Yeah, so I'm happy with, about that. And I think the acoustic guitar part on the chorus really kind of makes the song.
1: It's really cool. This yeah. uh, Oddly enough, this is one of the few songs like off of this album they don't play anymore. Yeah. Because like, both times I saw them, 2002, th- 2006, they played almost every single song off this album except for... Uh, Except for uh, You're Crazy, and I believe it was Anything... Or, I'm sorry, this one and uh, okay,
0: and uh, Anything Goes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but it, this is one of them I had forgotten about, actually. And I thought, like, okay, well, maybe I don't like this one as much because I forgot about it. But then hearing it when it kicked into that chorus, I was just sort of like, wow, this kind of expands and gets really cool. And so uh, I ended up loving it and thinking much more highly of it. Um, and then after that, we get Sweet Child of Mine, which... Uh, uh, we don't have to, I mean, everybody knows this song. It, literally everybody so, knows it. Yeah, it has one of the most iconic beginnings to a rock song ever, I would say, if you really think about it. I mean, and like I said, this is the tune that won me over. It was about Axel's girlfriend at the time, Erin Everly. Erin Everly. Who's the daughter of Don Everly from the Everly Brothers. Um, uh, she yeah. left him and she was like,
1: don't want you love anymore. <laughs> then we
0: go from that to You're Crazy, which is like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if the yeah. structure was on purpose or not. but uh, And the funny thing uh, was, that
1: was apparently, because this song's also on GNR Lies, the uh-huh. EP from the following year, and apparently uh. the one on the EP is more in tune with the original intention of the song. I like the version on Lies better, honestly. I'm really torn, but yeah, yeah. probably.
0: Yeah, I, I like the... Uh, it kind of goes back and forth some days. I like uh, the Lies one better. Yeah, a- after hearing the Lies one, I sort of feel like when I hear the one on Appetite, it's like it almost seems slightly too fast. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, that's you know just because it's relative. Um, but I think that Axel's vocal has more swagger on the acoustic version. I think, it, you know, with it being like slower he, yeah. and groovier, he, 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 he gets to kind of play around with the rhythm a little, a, little a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I... I mean, this know, version is still good. It. It's just yeah, yeah. the Lies one is... Just yeah, pretty sleek. Pretty yeah sweet. yeah, I don't dislike this one by any stretch, but like uh, it always kind of makes me want to go back to the lies version. Um, and after that, we've got anything goes. Um, and this is one where I'd forgotten uh, what Axel's vocal was like on it. It's just—it's a pretty stunning performance. He—he, he, oh yeah, I mean, he, he, he's all over the place. He's all over the place on this song, and it—and it, and the best possible way. And it really is a vehicle for his vocal, and it, it really shows him off. There's
1: a there's a, an album that came out on Cleopatra Records, like two thousand six, two thousand seven, something like that, called The uh, Hollywood Rose, The Roots of Guns and Roses. Oh yeah, uh-huh. um, it's, I haven't listened to that. I should check that out. Oh, I've got a copy. It's wonderful. Um, they did kind of sue to try to keep it from being released, but Chris yeah. Webber was the rightful, okay. like, owner and possessor of it, so there wasn't really much any anybody yeah. could do. But it has a really early version of this song that's, uh, a lot different. I mean, it's still, <laughs> it's still clearly the same song, especially when it busts into the chorus, but, like, a lot of, like, the phrasing's kind of different, different sets of lyrics in the, in, in the, in the verses, it's a lot of fun to listen to. Seek it out if you can find it. It's Roots of Guns N' Roses. Super fun C D. Can't okay. recommend it enough. But yeah. It's not as it's not as good as this one because Axel has cl- <coughs> like has clearly spent more time perfecting the art of how to right. you know, deliver a lead vocal by the time we get here.
0: <laughs> and then we close out the record with Rocket Queen. Yes. Yeah, which My uh, favorite. yeah, this is a great <laughs> song. It's a this is another one with a weird structure. Yes, it, you know, it is. It, it's a and it's one of the few that started
1: structure. out as a as a a song from Slash, Duff, and Steven's previous band. Okay, yeah. They brought it in because they had, from what I remember, they had started working on this song in their band before uh, before LA Guns, which was Tracy Guns and, yeah. and Axel. Before that folded and they integrated their two bands and made Guns N' Roses or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a song by the Road Crew. Oh, Steven yeah, yeah. Adler, yeah. after being ejected from Guns N' Roses, briefly reunited Road Crew. Nothing became of it. Yeah. But uh, it was like the band that, that that him and Slash and Duff had before GNR. And this song comes
0: from that band. Yeah, that's which is cool. Yeah. And this is the one that has the infamous sex recording with uh, Steven Adler's on-again, off-again girlfriend. Yeah. Doing
1: it with excellent <laughs> <truth>.
0: <laughs> yep, yep.
2: Do you know why she did it?
1: I do not.
2: She got pissed at Steven because he said she wasn't really his girlfriend. Oh yeah, so I didn't, she I didn't was read like, about that. Hey, Axel.
0: Yeah, and Axel yeah. said that he said we wanted to have some real sex on the song, and she said she would do it um, for the band for the band and, and for, Jack a, t- for a <laughs> bottle of <Jack laughs> <that Daniels. laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, which is just an amazing story. It's yeah. just <laughs> such a yeah. I know that one gets told a lot, but it's just it's present one of those, that much more fuck repeating. you to a guy in yeah. your band at the time. Right. <laughs> that's yeah, like, that's cool. Yeah, and apparently, apparently, he Stephen Adler freaked out right, for a little while over it. I mean. You know, they weren't. I mean, it was kind of on and off again. So he didn't have a lot of room to say. But like, you know, I can understand that out of that freaky. Yeah, I was like, you know, passing the girl around <laughs> between band members and then recording it and putting it on the album. That's a little. You know, oh, what a know. trip! Okay, well, that's that's the album. Um, we're going to take a short break here, and then we're gonna be right back with our special guest. And we're back. And our special guest today is Shauna Corbin. Say hi, Shauna.
2: Hello.
0: How are you doing today?
2: I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh,
1: shit. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't prepared
0: for that question. Yeah.
2: I hate that question. Yeah. Uh-
0: yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, just, just in general, just, just tell people a little bit of who you are and why you're on a hair metal podcast. Oh. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm here because you guys are fucking awesome, Um, and I grew up on hair metal, especially stuff like Guns N' Roses. Yeah, they have a special place in my heart.
0: Awesome, awesome. (laughs) And uh, Shauna has a secret identity. That she does. She has a burlesque persona <laughs> called Hester Moffat. And so that's kind of like, that's how I've gotten to know you. It's yeah. uh, oh, through burlesque yeah. shows. That is. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, my wife and I run sound for like some of the burlesque shows that happen here in Ames at a bar called London Underground. Um, so that's how I've, I've gotten to know Shauna and, and gotten to end up partying with her a little bit and having a pretty good time and getting to know her as a pretty awesome person.
2: Mm-hmm. I think the <laughs> first time we really bonded was at that Strong Like Their show. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I was like, I really liked you before. Then, then, yeah. then you were all, all of you, all of you, and fucking Rachel. Fuck you, Shauna Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite memories.
0: <laughs> yeah, we let a chant sing "Fuck you, Shauna from the stage, which
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was
2: amazing. Because that's because that's how we make life. friends. <laughs>
1: That's the theme. Fuck the Wheelers. Yep, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> I
2: loved
1: it. Well, when we had Chad on, uh, we had to relay the message that you sent us to relay, which was "fuck you, Chad."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I
2: forgot about that. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so, tell us about your experience with appetite for destruction. What, you know, how old were you when you found it? What, you know, what got uh, you into it?
2: Again, I was, like, seven when, it, like, Aaron. Okay. I think we must be the same age. That sounds about um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have five older siblings, and my two older brothers were really into all kinds of metal. And so, of course, I listened to Appetite for Destruction through them. One uh, of my older sisters, like, two years older than me, so, you know, she was, like, a cool junior high school kid. Or almost junior high school kid. Um <laughs> 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 So she had a huge crush on crush on Axel anyways, but yeah, I basically listened to it through my brothers.
0: okay yeah, that's cool uh, what what stood out about it to you?
2: Um, I think it was just you know a thing about trying to fit in and be cool with my brothers, but then it's like yeah. this music is fucking awesome yeah and it just. I felt like such a badass little kid yeah. you know, <laughs> listening to that stuff. Yeah, you know, like, that's part of it. There, there yeah. is an element of that in
0: that music, isn't there? It's like, you know, you feel like, you're like these guys are badasses. <laughs> it almost has,
1: like, the same as like, when you're listening to, like, the Sex Pistols or some shit yeah. like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, this is some badass shit I'm
0: listening to. You know? Yeah, you can tell they're not phoning it in. They've lived some right. of the lifestyle mm-hmm. they're talking about. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then, like, being, I don't know, what grade are you in when you're seven? Mm-hmm. Whatever grade I was in, like, I would wear my brother's t-shirts to school. Oh, yeah? And I had the one with the lady on it with her panties oh, around her shit? ankle. the
0: original album cover, yeah, the one Where's that got banned, yeah. I
2: got kicked out of school that day. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but why? Wait,
0: what grade was this? Was that, what, like, second grade second or third birthday? grade? You got yeah. kicked out of second grade for a Guns N' Roses shirt? Oh, that, yeah. That's, that's pretty
1: badass. <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was, like, I was maybe ten or eleven. Well, I guess it would have been eleven. Mm-hmm. I had a Motley Crue Decade Decadence of Decadence shirt, and I, I'm amazed to this day that, like, I mean, they didn't care. It was like a pentagram with all the with all the Motley Crue uh, 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 different mascots over the years, and like mm-hmm. straight, you know, all personified on the album artwork. And I was like, so y'all didn't have a problem with that?
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I mean, that's cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you said you had some stories to oh, tell about. I this do. Album. I do. Tell us some stories. <laughs> tell us some stories. I, I'm okay. very curious. You got good stories.
2: So <laughs> I'll start out. Uh, you want me to start out with the darker ones or the more lighthearted?
0: Uh, dealer's choice. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. I'm, the darker ones are more funny, so I'll save that for later. Okay. So <laughs> dark and uh, funny. I like it. it <laughs> you, got
0: that, you got that sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: you do know. You do know. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Sweet Child of Mine, that was, like, one of the first songs that both mm-hmm. my mom and I liked. Oh, And that wow. she would sing yeah. to me. My mom's, like, yeah, I'm the youngest of six kids. My parents are in their 80s. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that adds up. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, yeah, my mom would sing that song to me, and it was just so precious. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. That's,
0: that is a very nice story.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. Then, I don't know what year it was. My brother was 16. I think it was a few years, maybe like four or five after Appetite for Destruction came out. And... <laughs> i sorry to me. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> my oldest sister was married and her husband was like this really just, hardcore, alcoholic, got into a bunch of dumb shit. Uh-huh. And one night, he decided to take my brother out, my 16-year-old brother. huh. <laughs> They're just driving around the east side of Des Moines, uh-huh. and they crash into a house. <laughs>
1: what? Okay. Into a house? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right?
2: Yeah. So wow. my brother was severely injured. Okay. He had to go to the hospital. Okay. They had to cut his clothing off to... Do all the shit they need to do. And
0: oh, that's a pretty serious accent. Yeah. <laughs> the
2: only thing I was pissed about is that he was wearing his Appetite for Destruction t shirt. And I was like, God damn it, his shirt's fucking ruined.
0: <laughs> was this the same one you wore to school?
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> yes. uh, that's then after that's that. an
2: expensive shirt nowadays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not trying to make light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then my brother got insurance, like an insurance settlement from the accident. So he decides to buy all of his Sims League's a nice gift. He got me a fucking New Kids on the Block shirt.
0: Oh, ouch! <laughs> I took it to the
2: driveway and burned it.
0: <laughs> just rubbing salt in the wounds there. <laughs> oh,
1: man.
2: <laughs>
0: what a trade!
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there's that. I mean, I'm not gonna say that there isn't like New Kids on the Block records in my collection at home, but yeah. yeah. But
0: um, it's... are there are there panties around their ankles? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Mm. <laughs> That's uh, the shirt aspect. of That's a really good story. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I loved that shirt. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I had the basic
1: one. I had it had like, you know, the, the circular logo mm-hmm. with the guns, and on the back it said Guns and Roses was here. That was the shirt oh. I had, when I was a kid. and it felt oh, like yeah. badass even then. I like, remember yeah, seeing those great. shirts. I want to say I was like nine when I got that or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember
0: seeing that, and, like, it, and it felt pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, at first it sort of like creeped me out. I was just going like, whoa, this is you know what's going on there. But like uh, then after I got into the music a little bit more and stuff, I was sort of like, okay. Oh man, yeah, that was a yeah. There's there's some complex issues with Axel going on where where you know you have things like that that are a little bit sort of rapey, cringy, and then you know, later on he goes on and has a little bit of like you know racist uh homophobia stuff on lies and what uh, i noticed you know. if you
1: look at the deluxe edition of that appetite for destruction that's the great big yeah. cube that we were talking about they omitted one in a million from the track uh-huh. listing
0: mm. probably rightfully so
1: because uh, yeah. i mean you know and i don't really know much behind it because once yeah. again we're not there but it kind of feels like he's maybe not the same
0: person that he was i right don't think he and he's like okay yeah. you know what i think mm-hmm. i fucked up there yeah I, I read about some of that while I'm getting ready for the he did recant all that stuff and he said that he did, you know, he uses the N word in, in that song and, yep. and, he, and he said that he meant the specific people that had attacked him and stuff. And he didn't mean it in a general sense. Not that that makes it any better, nope. but uh, like, uh, I mean, sure she, doesn't. He, yeah, he shouldn't have been slinging that word around even then, but like, but, uh, yeah, um, I, I, he said, he's not, he's not a racist and he doesn't, he does not want to promote racism. And so good on him for deleting that song from the catalog, basically. Probably because, for the mm. better. Yeah. Cause you know, in this not yet, political here, but, like, uh, in this day and age and climate, like, you know, there's a lot of people that would, like, probably listen to that and use it as an anthem. And it's, like, which, yeah. which is not cool. Nope. <laughs> nope. Mm, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you have any more lighthearted stories so we can switch away from that really quickly?
2: <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So, what, what, oh, when Welcome to the Jungle came out, I, again, this was another sibling memory Mm -hmm. we had a neighbor across the street that had an older brother and he had cute boys come over all the time Mm -hmm. and my that's when my sister was into boys not me and so my sister would go hang out over there and like try to impress them like watching mtv and then welcome for or welcome to the jungle would come on and you know they'd do the axle and all that stuff and i'd just be Sitting outside the window, peeping in on, on like a weirdo. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great memory of my sister. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's awesome. We're all about <laughs> we're all true. about memories on
1: this
2: show. So
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's in the name, so it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I remember like dancing around my room, like either pretending to be multiple different members of this band. Um, yeah, yeah, I would was of the age where that would be appropriate. Yeah. I pretty much always had a tape player all my life, and when I was a little kid, I would, yeah, I'd play this album. And this was all, 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 all uh, I would sit around with my mom's acoustic guitar and try to figure out stuff, and nope, didn't happen. But I tried. Yeah, yeah. Slash was a hard one to be like,
0: I want to try to play like that. Yeah, he, yeah. he's a no-joke guitar player. He's awesome. He's awesome. And both Axel and Slash are sort of like superheroes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like these larger than life people that like. But the know. funny thing is that nobody
1: counts on the hidden weapon of, of Appetite and, well, and of Guns N' Roses, like, first yeah. era is Izzy Stradlin. He yeah. is the actual, like, he's that little ace in the hole songwriter yep. that you don't think about right away. And when you look at his writing credits, dude, he's pretty awesome. He's Ooh. pretty. Yeah, he wrote I a lot of work. I know Aaron.
2: I think it's probably Adriana Smith. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really enjoyed her lyrics. <laughs> you got me there. Right? I mean, she's
2: got away with words. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All
2: right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I I think we've
0: got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh you have some darker stories?
2: Oh well, the one about my brother. Okay. Okay. Accident. Okay. I had Do a I feeling remember? that was the darker okay, story. Okay. <laughs> I thought I had another one, but I think maybe it was just that one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, other than you know your brother, your brother was okay after that.
2: Yeah, I mean he's he's got some like long term back problems, but okay, he's fine. He's fine. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Good.
0: good. Cool. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank very much you for having me. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And if you want to send us any uh, requests or any feedback at all, we sure appreciate hearing from you guys. It's hair metal memoriesiowa at gmail.com. And uh, look, look forward to talking with you next time.
1: Thanks, everybody.